Welcome to Knit British, the podcast that explores all the connections of Britishness in wool, fibre and knitting. On this journey, meeting all of the people involved, from sheep to skein, I am your host, Louise Scully. Knit British and love local wool. Knit British is utterly spoiled in being sponsored by our woolly mucker, Alison Main. Alison is Baker Street Girl on Ravelry, newbie PhD on Twitter and Midnight Sewist on Instagram. She is definitely a socks and shawl fan, as you will hear when I chat to her a little later in the show. Thanks very much to Alison for sponsoring Knit British. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the Knit British podcast. It's lovely to have you here and if this is the first time you are joining us at Knit British, thank you very much. I hope you enjoy what you hear. It's lovely to hear how you enjoyed the last episode uh, of the podcast, which was on value in knitting and I had Kerry Kimber Uh, from Knitting for All and I went to the Knitting for All class here in Edinburgh. Thank you very much to those of you who got in touch via Ravelry and social media and email as well as comment uh, on the blog post at knitbritish.net to say how much you enjoyed that and how much you agreed with what we were talking about, about the value of learning and the value of being able to pass on what you know in knitting and craft to others. Today we're touching a little bit on the value aspect again. In fact, a couple of times today uh, we're going to be talking about different meaning and value. We're going to be talking a little bit with our woolly mucker, Alison, about the importance and meaning in belonging to online communities as well as in real life communities uh, when it comes to craft and knitting. And those of you who listen to this podcast and who also take part in the conversation and the community over in the Ravelry group. Uh, We can all attest to that, can't we, about the cohesiveness of of an online online group. Uh, In addition to that, I've got a book review and a giveaway from Rennie Callaghan, who is East London Knits, and who, by the way, has a podcast now. And if you haven't seen the East London Knit podcast over on YouTube, go on over and subscribe. Uh, so far, she has interviewed Claire Devine and also Willie Wormhead. It's a really, really lovely podcast. And um, I, I urge you to go and have a little look the next time you are watching your favourites on YouTube, just to click and subscribe and uh, give her a watch. Venny has very kindly given us a copy of her collection, The Zen Variations, which is now out in a paper and ink copy as well as the digital copy, which came out last year. I am also going to be able to bring you a little interview today that I recorded absolutely ages ago. It encompasses a whole lot, uh, including meaningful knits, ideas on knitworthiness, and it's connected to another story that we'll look at a little bit later on. So grab a whip, grab a drink, and let's get cracking. One of our lovely listeners, Helene Zechner, has released a shawl pattern 
and it's in honour of the show. It's called the Let's Get Cracking Shawl, which is just awesome. Thank you so much, Elaine. It's a triangular shawl and it features textured stripes, bobbles and eyelets. And it's also knit in the Blacker Yarns Mohair Blends, which coincidentally has been relaunched with some new delicious shades. Um, some lovely greens and a really, really gorgeous deep, deep blue. I think that might be the one I would go for, the Trinarin. So if you haven't already seen the, the relaunch of the mohair blends, the Blacker Yarns, go over to Blacker Yarns and have a look at that. And if you're looking for something to knit it in, then have a look at the Let's Get Cracking shawl. I'll put a link in the show notes so that you can you can find the shawl. But lovely textured yarn for a lovely textural shawl. It's a beautiful shawl, Helene. Uh, thank you so much for, for honouring uh, the Knit British podcast with the name. And go on over to Ravelry and have a little look-see yourself. In other news, did you know that Countess Ablaze has moved from her Swinton studio to a new Manchester City location? Uh, the Countess has moved to 21 Swan Street in the North Quarter with palatial new surroundings. Uh, she has production space as well as two yarn showrooms. There's still a knit group, which is on Saturdays from one o'clock and it costs £2. And the opening hours, uh, outside of that, you can check on the website at countessablaze.com. But did you also know that on Saturday the 6th of May... Countess Ablaze is hosting a Love Your Yarn Shop Day. If you can make it to Manchester next Saturday from 10 till 5, you will not only be able to revel in all that Countess Ablaze yarning goodness and those new surroundings, but you'll also be able to find Brit Yarn, Whistle Bear and the Little Grey Girl. An awesome opportunity to mingle with your tribe and buy some awesome yarn and notions. So do go on over to the Countess of Blaze website for any more details of that, but I think that's bound to be a fantastic day. I went to a similar event that uh, the Countess held last year at her old studio and the vibe, it was just such a lovely vibe. So if you can get to Manchester next Saturday, I highly recommend that you go and do some yarn squishing and tea drinking and Tonic's tea cake eating, which I'm sure will be in plentiful, <laughs> plentiful stock if I know Countess Blaze. In other news, you might have seen on knitbritish.net uh, and Ravelry and social media that I am motivated this spring and summer to remake. If there is a pattern that you've always wanted to remake for whatever reason, you know, you might have made the original for a gift and fancied one for yourself. You might have lost one like I have. Uh, you might have, um, you know, you might have thought I could do that better. You know, my gauge might be better next time or if I, you might wanted to try it in a different yarn. Whatever the reason, quite often... I find there are things I will knit again and again. Like last year, I got a bit bitten by the Crofty's hat bog and knit three of them. And, you know, I've knit, knit a few lushes for myself and for a lot of people and things like that. But there have been quite a few designs that I've always meant to make again and never quite got around to it. And actually even have the yarn. And I'm sure that there are a few of you who could put your hand up and say, yeah, I've, I've thought about making that design again. And I actually bought the yarn a long time ago. So... That's what I'm going to be doing. And so if you fancy using this Focus 2, 
uh, to remake, then go over to the Knit Brushes Ravelry group and tell us what you're going to remake, why, what you're going to um, knit it in, what you're going to, you know, it doesn't have to be knitting. You can you can use this motivation for sewing, for crochet, for weaving. Um, if you have a, you know, a whip that's been sitting waiting ages and it needs a sleeve taken out and put back in again, or it need it needs something changing, then yeah, please use this this focus and 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 uh, remake. It's not a cal. Uh, there's no. Well, it is, I suppose, but it's not in the traditional sense. Um, there's no cast on, cast off date. You can get going right away. Um, there are no prizes or anything like that. But it is going to be something that I'm going to be focusing on. And I'm starting with shawls because there are quite a few shawls that really have been vying for my attention again. And I've written a post on Knit British uh, this week about that. So you can go over and read that. But I'm pretty set on starting my shawl remaking with the Marin shawl by Isolde. Now I knit this, ooh, maybe 2013, 2012, 2013 maybe. And I knit it in glorious baby long legs, semi-precious sock yarn. And my, it, I, I was just I was just off with my with my needle size and my, my gauge bit, and I ended up with a shawlette rather than the bigger the shawl that size that it really should be. And I've always meant to knit it, and actually, I, I I still wear my original marin. It's not something that I don't wear anymore. I still love it. I love the color of it, the vibrancy of it. Um, but I'd like to knit it in something a bit woolier and make one that turns out the right size. I had pledged in my blog post that I wasn't going to buy yarn for this. I was definitely going to use stash for this. And I had quite a few choices. And and in that blog post that I mentioned before, I talk about the yarn choices uh, that I have for this this pattern or that might work well with this design. And um, (laughs) now I'm absolutely going to throw those choices out the window because I didn't buy it, but the gorgeous Linda from Kettle Yarn Company saw my Instagram post about remaking Marin and said, would you like to try my new yarn? It's British. It's Romney and Shetland. Kettle Yarn Company has a very special place in this knit British heart of mine because I think I think Linda just pretty much started about the same time as I started doing Knit British and I bought her BFL twist yarn and it was one of the first yarns that I reviewed on Knit British and I still love that yarn and I bought more of that yarn and I don't think she does it anymore and it's one of those special yarns. So Kethley Yarn Company is quite special because it was, say, it was one of those first yarns that I ever, I ever reviewed and so happy to review more yarn and I just got the post just before sitting down to record this lovely skein of incredibly woolly beautifulness uh, plopped out of the bag and it's It's lovely. I mean, this I'm just this is totally off the cuff. Uh, uh, you know, this is not a review of it yet. This is just my first impression of the hand squish grab, which we always know. We should never just 
judge the the finished item by but it's got a beautiful feel and it's it's got a dry silkiness and it's just you know Shetland and Romney two of the very fine fleeces that you get in, in British wool so I can't wait to see what this knits up like and it's <laughs> it's just lovely and uh, it's not quite available yet uh, but do uh, visit www.kettleyarnco.co.uk and sign up for Linda's newsletter so you can find out about this new yarn. I'm not even sure that I'm allowed to, to tell you about it, but I am. It's it's very gorgeous and it's a steely, purpley grey. Hmm? <laughs> so I am going to be casting on my Marin on Monday probably. I've got a couple of things that I really need to finish up. Um, just to clear the decks a little bit um, but I really wanted to start my own remakery from from May onwards because May is in remakery so <laughs> um, and so that's what I've called it I've called it the remakery again it's not really a cal it's just a bit of knitterly or crafty motivation to to get remaking some of those things and I have had people say why are you remaking what you know what why remake but even if you're monogamous to, desi- to designs and you don't really think you'll ever knit the same thing again twice, I'm sure there are things that even in your wildest dreams you think I'd like to make that again. And and I know that's definitely for me. So, um, so yeah. So you could come on over to the um, Knit British Ravelry group and you'll see that we've already got quite a few people who are remaking. Wild Cedar might make another Heat of Feud cardigan. Beast Chops is tackling another Miette Cardi by Andy Satterland. Amy Palco is considering knitting another of Helen Stewart's Snowmelt Shawls. Um, and as I say, even those those people who have a bit of a ver- an aversion to second makes, like Frick Strick and Soup Dragon, are they are also considering remaking. So come on over and let us know if you fancy joining us for a bit of a remake. Again, you can start right away. You can use the hashtag KnitBritishRemakery uh, on social media so I can see what you're making. And you can expect me to be talking about this for the next wee while in my own knitting. And we might pop into the Knit British Ravelry group and see what other people are remaking. And also, again, this is something I'm not sure I can say, but there may be, there could be, some forthcoming Knitting Goddess remakery related goodies coming too, which embody remaking. So that's as much as I can tell you about that. But yeah, come and join us. Have a remake. It's time to welcome our lovely Willy Mucker for this episode. Alison Main is a doctoral researcher in women's crafting experiences and uh, in digital sharing. And she lives in Scotland but travels to Sheffield for her PhD. As you'll hear, there's lots of train knitting. Uh, I met Alison recently at the National Library of Scotland, uh, although I've met Alison before a few times and got the pleasure of hearing her giving, giving a talk on her research 
at In The Loop in Glasgow a couple of years ago. Um, but I, as you know, uh, with our, our lovely Wooly Muckers, uh, I'd quite like to ask them some questions if they are amenable. And Alison very much was amenable. And as I say, we met up last week at the National Library of Scotland. And I asked her those two questions that I asked Christine last last time. Uh, number one is, what was the first thing you remember knitting? What was the last thing you cast off? And number two is, if there is a pattern and a yarn, not necessarily used together that you want to pass on to other people what are those patterns and what what is that pattern what is that yarn and why is it so special of course in the course of asking those two questions we touched on a lot more including Alison's research and the importance of online communities uh, to her in particular so grab your cuppa and listen to Alison and I now We are in a library, but it was quite noisy. (laughs) I've done my best, but there is quite a bit of rhubarb, 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 rhubarb murmuring in the background and some, you know, the tea trolley going past. Would you like something from the trolley? Uh, (laughs) So um, apologies for that. You're just going to have to put up with it. So here we go. What have you brought in your knitting bag? Well, I brought, you know, the whole thing about my... um what did you first knit? So I brought it with me. Oh, did you? So it's one of those Louisa Spangers knit night. Knit night? Because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very Jonathan late, you see. But it's got beads on it. Yeah, because I did, I did crochet first. So I did beading with crochet, so maybe I had some more confidence. So this is the first thing I knitted and finished, maybe. What's the yarn? I think it's like um, a sock wool. I was going to say. A, it was a sock yarn of some description. My, um, I went to a lovely knitting group at one o'clock yarn shop when we lived in Northamptonshire, Manfield House. Um, It's not a bricks and mortar shop anymore, as sadly as these things go, but the space is still there and and, um, Emma, who runs it, has an online shop and does festivals and things, but she keeps all of the knitting groups going throughout various days of the week. I I just went into the the welcoming bosom of these <laughs> these women who shared everything. But I started I started with crochet. What when was that? Not long ago. No? Four years ago. Maybe? Okay. Yeah, four years probably. Wow. Yeah. Newbie, newbie. Yeah, properly. So and then, but then the first thing you thought I'm going to do with beads and I'm going to do a shawl and no like garter blankets spares for you. No, I think I think because I had done some crochet and I'd done beading with crochet, it didn't really phase me. And again, in in the pillowy bosom of the group, <laughs> you know, it was I was going to be looked after. It's always what I'm talking about, you know value of the skills like you could always just knit squares and be happy with that and learn so much from that or you could go I'm gonna take a thing with a shape and yeah like beads and just do it do- I couldn't do it with my tongue out like that <laughs> <laughs> in a good light put the big light on yeah <laughs> big light <laughs> that is gorgeous I really like that and like do you wear it a lot not so much now. I have I have a lot of these. I made about five. <laughs> Was that like bit by the book? Yeah, and I could do it. And I, could, I knew I could finish it. 
so many became presents, and I've got quite a few uh, in different in different yarns and things. So yeah, I did have a. That's the only beaded one though. That's amazing, and that was the first one. That's an incredible thing. You know, people have been knitting for a few years, maybe don't have the first no, thing I, that they knitted. I think that's. I think that's why I'm. I'm looking. I've got my first bit of crochet as well. Um, that's that was a blanket. It's on the back of my knitting chair, but it's a sort of. That's where I come from. Yeah, when, when do you start to crochet? Again, four, yeah, four, years, four ago. years ago. Yeah. One of the things I love most about this and really what got me started, not just the making, but also what I'm doing now um, in studying, is why I was, I was ill. And I'd, I've always been crafty. Yeah. Needly. I was always needly. <laughs> so cross-stitch and be I used to do a lot of beading, really, really fine beadwork. And I was ill, and I couldn't. Um, I had tremors in my hands, and I couldn't hold the needles. And I was going out of my mind with not being able to make anything, just have that soothing thing of making something. And my daughter taught me how to crochet, so I kind of love that it's not your usual direction. I like that. Um, That's lovely. Yeah. So she taught me to crochet, and I was doing that. Maybe six months or so, and then I started. I decided I wanted to learn how to knit a sweater. Initially, it was like a big. It was a hook. I could hold it in my fist, and it had chunky yarn, and you know, it meant I could actually make something, be doing something. The, the stuff that you made was a real proper journey through what yeah. you through. Yeah, through. absolutely. And it, it was the, it was two things together. She she put me onto Facebook. Tell what you need, Mum, is this. She taught me how to crochet, and she set me up on Facebook. And I just had something where every day I did a, a, a post with a picture, and it just said Alison is making, and I put a picture of what I was doing. And it was a real discipline. I I did it every day just to make sure I was doing something every day. To yeah. be honest. Um, and then, so presumably your studies came out of that. Yeah, out of Well, so it's about, it's about women who knit and crochet, but who choose to share that on Facebook, is my PhD research. Um, and it absolutely has come from that experience of mine, um, because it was, it was such a lifeline for me, and I realized there was something really interesting there. Initially, it was going to look at face-to-face -face groups, but actually there was so much just to do with Facebook sharing that that's what I decided to focus on. But yeah, it absolutely came out of that experience for me um, because initially I wouldn't, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't leave the house for about six months. For me, the Facebook community was a supportive community I was in contact with. And they were the only people I was talking to outside my own family. And those connections are just so important and such um, generosity of support and help, but just to be to be in contact with somebody who's it is as if they're, they're sitting and chatting to you and providing that kind of support. And sometimes it, it's not about the craft at all, and it's just about being. Yeah, being there. Being part yeah. So that was, it, it was, it was a real life thing for me. And then I went to my lovely knitting group in um, 
Rushton in Northamptonshire where I was living, Manfield Crafts, and then there was the 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 real human beings as well as the digital human <laughs> beings um, that really did enable me to it's really amazing. to get on. I like knitting is you know for any kind of craft it's quite can be quite a solitary yes. thing. Yeah, and you can be. You know, you can, even though you're doing something you love it, it's, it's, it can be quite a lonely thing. Yes. Why do you bring in any kind of community to that online or like physical thing at night? That's a power. It thing. is. It really is. And I was, I, what I was hearing online and in the knitting groups was, was the same phrase that I, I kept getting my head which was that these these groups were saving my life yeah. they really were about keeping you going life, life. absolutely yeah. and I and other people were saying the same thing and I think it's not just me this is it seems to change the subject slightly now but I'm looking at this first thing that you cast on and I'm wondering what the last thing was that you cast off was that a I finished and, and really it definitely about meeting you today <laughs> made me make sure I had something that I had actually finished because <laughs> I have had a bit of a kind of um, startitis issue oh god um, tell, many yeah. many baskets of things yeah. but so I've been knitting with um, lovely Lisa Harland for the love of yarn uh-huh I got some um Yarn from her last year. She she does these wonderful stationery and yarn boxes. And go mmm stationery. Uh, so I got one for my daughter and one for me. Um, and it was a really scary zingy yellow and a variegated that had to marinate for a little while. Yeah. Um, and then I, I found a, a shawl. It's a slip stitch shawl from Knitting Magazine. It's supposed to be. I think it's called the Autumnal Curve. I've made a spring curve. Right, right. And yes. knitted up this like fantastic daffodils and um, petunias kind of colour and it's really a really happy shawl. So I finished that last night Did in your you? honour. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's a good sort of shawls your thing mainly? I think they are shawls and socks. Yeah. And I think there's something about the easy practicality of that. Yeah. And also still newbie knitter really. I, you know, Maybe knitter who beats. And, and <laughs> a number of jumpers have been started but never progressed very far. <laughs> so being a quite a new knitter, my other question is about a pattern and yarn. Not that you have to use them together, no. but just something Thought about this yeah, a lot. something that's So the pattern is definitely socks. obviously I know Christy mentioned this last time, but my I knit socks all the time. Um, travelling up and down to Sheffield on the train especially and my favourite sock pattern is the I think it's Juju yes the afterthought heel toe up pattern that's on the Loop website okay um, and I make that constantly do you know it off by heart yes completely off by heart I'm trying to do a bit more variety in my sock knitting at the moment but uh, that that's my go to do it without thinking. Constantly got at least one, if not two, pairs on the go. Really? What about the yarn? That's really tough. I thought really hard for a while about Jameson's Spindrift, just because of the colours. But they got sacked for um, as a sh you know, shawls. Shawls are some of my favourite things to knit. So I think the yarn has to be. 
fluffs, rustiferet, doll base, fulbright, because it's so beautiful to touch and handle while you're making it, and the colours are so fabulous. And, and, there's, and there's something more about that, where, for me, where thinking about well-being and mental health well-being and the owner's story of setting up a shop and that kind of act of bravery of setting up Rusty Ferret. And I, I kind of feel every time I use a skein of that yarn, I feel like, I feel part of that little act of bravery, That's that it's lovely. something really... Um, significant in what the yarn means as well as how beautiful it is to work with. That's so true. One of the most genuine people you'll ever, ever meet. I have the pleasure to meet and I, I totally agree with you. And also, the tactile, I mean it's like, it's a movie going yarn. I don't buy it a lot of movie yarn, but when she did start doing those yarns, I was like, I need that. I have to have that. It's like fluffy kittens. It is so nice. <laughs> you know? I made a shawl hat from the book of haps with that uh, and I've got some in the there's dark below and the, the, the rust basically the rusty colour mm -hmm. so I'm doing a, a bell side shawl the wool tribe in that incredible rusty that's false bridge yes. colour <laughs> how nice Thank you so much to Alison for meeting with me. I know Alison's research is something that means a lot and resonates a lot with all of us. We know the value of belonging to online as well as in real life uh, communities. I'm really looking forward to um, finding out how Alison's studies go and what, what comes out of that. And maybe she'll come back and talk a bit about that another time. Thanks so much again to Alison for sponsoring it British and taking the time to meet with me. The Zen Variations. Rennie Callahan, East London Knits, designer and now, as I've said, podcaster, uh, has recently released a print version of her Zen Variations collection, which came out about a year ago. Uh, as a digital edition and that particular collection was a collaboration with Fibre Company Yarns. This time there are also some of those same designs knit in Kettle Yarn Company Yarns too. Zen Variations features six top-down sweater designs all with a set in sleeves and named after and around the theme of Zen. Rennie has approached the collection with the focus of that knitting is something that is a physical meditation. And, you know, I'm on board with that and I'm sure you are too, aren't you? It's calming, it's levelling, it's mindful. It's all of those things. All of the designs in this book are classic and clean and I think I can just about imagine myself wearing every single one of them. And it's the small details as well. There's the curved hem of the Enzo sweater and the beautiful garter seam at the sides just really really lovely uh, again that's those that small details it's like um the integrated pockets in the untoku sweater and the deep v of the neck on that sweater i love that um or it's the collar blocks and the patch pockets on the bougie tunic and the beautiful, oh, look at this curving rib of its collar. I'll try and put some pictures 
in the show notes so you can see. Beautiful details, beautiful lines. And it's a really, really lovely collection. And it's great to see the collection in paper and ink, actually. I am all for an, a, a, an ebook. I like how accessible that is. I can get it on my phone, I can get it on my tablet, I can print it out if I want to. But this is just a really lovely collection. It, the photography is gorgeous. I'm not quite sure who's who's done the photography for this book. Um, but the location is beautiful. It's at a temple somewhere. Really, really gorgeous. And the, the, the sort of teal and striking red of the background. It's just such a gorgeous backdrop for these designs, as I say. Very simple, fresh, but it's been so beautifully realised, this this pattern booklet. It really has. With this book, you do get uh, a download co- coupon so that you can, you can have that digital copy as well. It's lovely to see Renee doing the modelling uh, this time around. And also Linda from Kettle Yarn Company as well is drafted in to do some modelling. Uh, I really like seeing designers modelling their own work. Um, the book is beautifully set out. Uh, there is a fantastic schematics, especially at the very beginning for the sweater construction of the sleeves. These are the things that matter to me. Font size, margins, line spacing, tick, 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 tick. <laughs> Those things really matter to me. Again, really good notes, schematics, technical information is all there and it's really, really a pretty book too. It's also really lovely to see these designs in a variety of yarns too. I have, as I say, I have the original ebook, which is knitted in, I think it's Acadia or Arcadia Fibre Company, but it's really nice to see it in a range of different yarns and see some of the samples in one or two different yarns. I really like uh, the, of course, <laughs> this is becoming a bit of a kettle yarn co loving now, but I really do like seeing Linda's yarns in these because her yarns are so drenched in colour and, you know, really, really shiny, shiny luster, gorgeous. You can buy your own copy of the print book of the Zen Variations from the East London Knit Etsy shop for £15, which is extremely good value for these six patterns and a lovely, lovely uh, book to look at too. And I'll put a link to the show notes, but if you search on Etsy for East London Knit, you'll find it no problem. But you can also win a copy because Renee has given me this copy to review and also to give away. If you go on over to the Knit British Ravelry group, I hope I've opened up the thread by the time this goes out. (laughs) Go over to the Ravelry group, tell me which sweater you would knit from the collection first and which yarn you would use. And I'll uh, close the giveaway on the 12th of May and announce a winner soon after that. And can I just say that this is open to anybody who wants to enter it. There is a bit of a misconception that my um, giveaways are just for people in the UK. I will choose a winner at byrandom.org um, soon after the 12th of May. Thank you so much to Rennie for sending me that copy to review and giveaway. Uh, that's very kind of you and it's a really lovely book. Uh, we had a giveaway a few weeks ago. Uh, from an anonymous benefactor who gave us a copy of Clara Park's Knitlandia. That closed um, a couple of weeks ago now, and I did a random.org uh, draw 
the other day and it was comment 22 which one who is ppx man and i just put a little note in the the, the that thread uh, to alert patricia uh, patricia i will be in touch with you very soon about getting that book to you and congratulations and thank you so much to that anonymous benefactor who gave us that lovely prize that was really really kind One of the things I talked about a lot and have talked about throughout Knit British and on the blog before there ever was a Knit British is one of the things that are really important to me is knitting traditions and how meaningful they are and the passing on of knitting traditions and pattern traditions um, and also meaningful ideas like knitworthiness and things like that. Uh, Now, there was a programme which I first saw back in 2015 that really resonated with me for all of these reasons and more. And it was a documentary from BBC Alba, uh, which is the Gaelic TV channel. The programme centres on Mary Bell McIntyre from South Uist, who learned to knit a Gansey, which originated from Eriske in, in the Western Isles. The pattern was unique to Eriske. Uh, like a lot of Gansey patterns were unique to to, to various uh, coastal areas. But as time has gone on, less and less people were knitting it. And those who could teach it decided that in order for it to carry on and for people to know how to make this pattern, they needed to teach it outside uh, Eriski. And so Mary Bell was one of those uh, people who went to learn in Eriske, how to knit in Eriske Gansey. Now, Eriske Gansey, to, to me, looks quite incredible and kind of quite unique to a lot of other Ganseys uh, in the sense that... Um, I'm, I'm using the wrong words. I'm sorry. I face-planted the pavement today. <laughs> and I think a lot of words just have fallen out of my head. <laughs> I'm not very good. It's a good job I'm not having to review wool today. I might just be saying it's softer. It's not. <laughs> anyway, to Mary Bell, knitting this Gansey, you know, taking this tradition that she, I think she felt quite privileged to have learned. You know, she decided that it was a special, special item and um, perhaps it should go to a special person. And Mary Bell's Catholic faith, as you see in the documentary, is tremendously important to her. So she decided she would knit an Eriske Gansey for Pope Francis. Now, this documentary, as I say, it was it was on a couple of years ago. Finally, 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 it's back on the BBC iPlayer. Now, I actually did contact BBC Alba uh, to ask them when it might be on again because I have a little interview for you that is very much connected to this documentary. The link for the document the documentary is in the show notes. It is only available for the next couple of weeks, so just just over two weeks, I think, by the time this will go out. Um, But if you go to BBC iPlayer and you type in the Pope's Eriske jumper, it should come up on the iPlayer search. Now, I should say, sadly, 
not everyone can view the BBC iPlayer outside of the UK. So I am sorry about that. I hope I've given you enough, uh, you know, the background about about the TV programme without spoiling it for those who are yet to watch it. And I think there are clips on the BBC iPlayer that you can watch. But again, I can't, I take no responsibility for those of you who want to watch it now and can't. I'm really, I'm just really sorry about that. But I really do want to talk about it because it's a very moving documentary. It's a very uplifting documentary. Whether you have religious faith or not, I should add, it is incredible. It's a very personal journey as well. Um, The programme's in Gaelic. It has subtitles. Again, I I hope you get to see it. Anyway... At Chilton Woolwick in 2015, (laughs) which is a long time ago, um, I was introduced to Shona McClellan, who not only worked on that documentary, making that film, but she was actually knitting an Eriske Gansey herself. And I sat down to have a chat with her, and we did chat for ages, and I nearly made her miss the boat, because she was leaving that day, and she had to leave quite smartish. But we had a lovely chat, And again, I've wanted to bring you this meaningful knit story for absolutely ages, but I really did want to wait until that documentary was back on iPlayer so that, you know, most of you could see it. So here is Shona from way back in time and I uh, at Islesborough at Shetland Will Week talking about the Gansey for the Pope knit by Mary Bell McIntyre and talking about her own incredible story of the SK Gansey that she was making. Uh, my name's Shona McClellan and I'm I'm from South Uist, but I live in Stornoway in the Western Isles. And you were telling me earlier about the documentary recently that you were involved with. Uh, do you want to say a little bit about that? Yeah, um, the we I work for a company that do documentaries for BBC Alpa, and the the most recent program that we that just was broadcast was about um, a lady from South Uist who knitted a a jumper for the Pope. Um, we call them Gainsies, or frock, and the it's a particular type of gansey um, knitted for fishermen. Um, they still do do it in the islands, but they're, they're, it's not as common as it used to be. My family uh, from Eriske originally, some on my father's side, so they used to knit them. And this programme... It basically follows this woman's journey, knitting the the Gainsey and then taking it to Rome and presenting it to the Pope. But we didn't actually think we were going to get there to give it to him. So when we finally, you know, on the day when she actually <laughs> got get, got to give it to him, we just like, oh my goodness, this is it. This is the. <laughs> The moment. The, the moment, and it is, it's such a brilliant moment in the programme. It is. For us, making it, it was exciting, you know, because um, we don't get to go travelling abroad all that often when we're doing documentaries, so this was, you know, a big, big jump for us. And it was great because, you know, we've, we're saying now that, well, if we can get the Pope, we can get anybody on our programmes, you know, it's, <laughs> yes. it's been quite funny. Um, but, yeah, we've. it was such a really good... I really wanted, you know, we really wanted to make sure that the, the jumper was featured in it, and the, you know, the, the method of making it, how much time and love and energy goes into making one of them, and how, you know, it's part of our tradition. Yeah. And it's just, it was just so nice to be able to produce a programme that 
is very unique, but at the same time appeals to a wider audience. Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of knitters or, or anybody sort of crafter watching it would have been think, been so pleased as well because it was such a such a knitterly opinion and view yeah. on on the thing. It wasn't just people going, "Oh, this lady's knitting for the Pope." <laughs> well, it was so. It was so. It was so thoughtful. Really yeah. Thoughtful. Well, you know, she said it herself in the program. Everybody thought she was crazy yeah. for coming up with the idea to knit this jumper for the Pope, and yet, you know, it's it's turning out to be one of their best programs yeah. that we've done. I think for me, you know, from the beginning, you know, when she she started off by casting on, saying, as soon as I start casting on. I think about the person that I'm making it for and put all that thought into it. And when you do knit, you do think about the person that you're knitting for. You have cast on the Gansey yourself. Now, yeah. did you, were you spurred on because of the research in the, for the documentary? Well, no, I was actually spurred on by the, the course I did with US Wool. Yeah. Um, I, when, I, when I did that, I, was, uh, I started thinking, looking at my own family history that were involved in knitting and, and also like seamstressing and mm-hmm. um, I have seamstresses and weavers and knitters and um, folk who are really good at natural dyes and stuff as well mm-hmm. and so I, I, I wanted to do a lot of research on that and I knew my great granny in Erski knitted jumpers but um, my own granny on that side of the family had died, so I didn't. And she said she couldn't remember how it was done or anything like that. We didn't have a pattern written down. So by the time I kind of got interested in doing these jumpers, it was too late, basically. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh gosh, all hope's lost, really, to find the family kind of version of it. Um, but then I went to speak to my great grand uncle and he had a photo of himself wearing one of my granny's jumpers so that is the only reference I've got and I've been so um, I went to Mayak who is my tutor um, she's also featured in the, mm-hmm. the documentary and she helped me cast on and set the pattern um, for me uh, I'm doing the jumper for myself um, I'm not th- I'm not she said, start off small <laughs> and then get bigger. So I was like, right, okay. Um, so but the next one will be for my dad. But at the moment, I'm just kind of learning. It's one of the most, I would say, unusual, unique, not unusual, but unique Gansies, Fisherman's yeah. Gansies, because it's there are so many of the motifs on there, aren't there? Do you want to try and explain, describe yeah. a little bit? Is it the Japani Guernsey wool you're using? No, I'm using US wool. I, was, I thought it might be. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I was very lucky as part of the course we were allowed to, to get materials to make a final project. Um, so this will be one of the final projects that I'll do for them. And um, this is just a, a simple rib at the bottom you start off with. And then you work up, I think it was about 15, 20 rows or something like that. And then you set the pattern. Now, it's kind of in in kind of columns of 11, if you like. It's easier to work that way with a wee gusset of four in the middle okay. between each pattern. And they've got lovely names, beautiful names for these. Um, these ones here, which are usually at the side of the jumper going up to the gusset. Yeah. 
there's the harbour steps. So they just look like a ladder. ladder. You can see um, how that works. And then um, this bit here, we've got the diamonds. And that just looks like a moss stitch mm-hmm. um, effect on here. And the way to know if you're kind of, if it's long enough um, before you start on the the, the fishnet band, uh-huh. um, is you count by the diamonds. So you work so many diamonds up the way. Okay. So you, you know if you need another diamond. So I need another diamond, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I did three. I've done three so far, and I've told, right, no, you need to do another one. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm working on my fourth diamond at the moment. And then these this um, column here, it's called the marriage lines. So they're just diagonal across, and it, it's a lovely effect when you see it. Yes. Other ones I've seen... Um, they come back the way as well, oh, like yeah. an arrow. Oh, yes. So um, I've seen that as well. And you can do waves and um, other... There's other ones as well. Um, but I was told these are the, the easy ones to start <laughs> off with. And, you know, see how you go. Yeah. And then you can decide which ones you want to use yourself. And, and then, so then when you get to... When you do your last diamond, then is it the horizontal pattern? Yeah, then I'm, I do a band of like a fishnet kind of design which goes around the bottom of the the chest area and then you separate the front and the back and you work up both and then you put in the apron but which tends to be different um, designs and can be as intricate as you like. Uh, some people put cables in um, there tends to be like a main panel in the middle which is I think about 40 stitches or something like that, depending on the size of the jumper, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that usually has main design features on it. So okay. um, the one that my great-granny used, she had a, a, the Tree of Life, which is a lovely That's beautiful, yeah. um, symbol. And then you've got the starfish, which looks more like a snowflake than it does a starfish when you see it but it's still lovely um part designed of the 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 and also um one of the ones that my granny did was the heart in the home diamond which was a a lovely yeah that one's a pretty one it's just a a simple big diamond with a little diamond in the middle so it's like um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a lovely wee That's thing. Lovely. Yeah. So do you know what? How, so do you know what your patterns are? Your motifs. Well, yeah, that yeah, I'm gonna I'm ones. gonna follow her one, That's and I'm go- and but she also did something. She doesn't put cables in hers. Oh. She put flags. So she's gonna have. Uh, I'm gonna put a couple of rows of flags down um, on the side, and then um, what's different about her pattern was which um, this is the thing I wish I knew why she did this but her sleeves are plain now most of the Eriski jumpers that I've seen have got patterns down the sides um, but hers are plain so um, that's what I'm going to do because I think it looks nicer as well and some of them are only like three quarter sleeves they didn't come all the way That's down. Interesting. Yeah, it, I think it was just because they would get wet, mm-hmm. so yeah. they wouldn't bother. Um, That's true. Yeah. And, you know, having. And then a lot of the had had the like the gloves that they would wear as well. Yeah. Those yeah. Gloves. Yeah. That's so. really interesting. So, how does it feel to be knitting your granny's pattern, and also in newest wool? 
it, you know, it's really, I love, love it. I absolutely do love it. And the wool is amazing to work with mm. because it's still full of lanolin as well. The smell when I'm working on it, it's, it's it just fragrances the whole room sometimes because it can get quite yeah. hot and when you're using it and I, and. It's it doesn't split. It doesn't split as much. So it's been really, really. Is it a, a, is it a four ply? It's a five ply. Also, I know that this is. Um, I know whose croft it came off. That's <laughs> amazing. And that's going to be part of the parcel of the US wheel product as well as the, the traceability of the, the the product, so that you can actually trace back to where it came from. So I know. It even tells me everything about it here. That's you know, um, that it's it was a cheviot sheep that it came from, and that it came from the McPhee Croft. So, and I, I actually have seen those sheep, so I know what sheep that they came off. It's like connections on so many levels. Yeah. you know, deep personal family yeah. connections, and then connections to place. Yeah. So it's just going to be lovely once I finish it, <laughs> whenever I get the chance. I, I This has started in April, so I'm halfway, you know, up the jumper. Yeah. Um, it's just now finding the time to, to finish it off. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you don't have to give it to the Pope, so you're not under no, the deadline. No, I'm not under the deadline. <laughs> and it's for myself, so I'm being yeah. totally selfish with this one. But I will uh, make more, I hope. And mm. I'd say... You know, hope to share the pattern once I. It's the MSK style. This style doesn't necessarily have to be the same pattern. No. but this vertical and then and yeah. then horizontal. Yeah, and that's kind of roughly. You know, I have seen a couple of printed patterns for 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 the Erski jumper, but um, nothing like what my gran had done. So I'd really like to to do this, write it down, and then be able to. Because that's incredible. Because that's the thing that the the, the the two teachers were saying, and that there's no one else that, no. apart from them really yeah. who can pass it on. And they yeah. know that they couldn't keep it in the island; that they had yeah. to teach out with so that it would carry on. And yeah, that was the thing. Um, you know, I was so keen to learn as well because you know, it, I mean, that I am not exactly the youngest knitter on the island but you know I just feel that we have a responsibility now to keep it going because if we don't do anything nobody else is so I just felt we have to we have to keep it and, and make it the only thing is I have to do it on the DPNs Oh, it has to be done on double point needles because of the tight fit um, some folk have done it on circular and they've already been given a a row like, do not to do that. Um, so it's been. It has to be. A t- it has to be a tight. It gauge. did. But yeah. To, to be a, a Gansey. Well, I mean, um, that it had to be wind tight. Wind tight, water tight. Mm-hmm. You name it. I mean, that was the whole purpose of them at the time. Yeah. It's an incredible it. tradition, and it's incredible yeah. that you're, you know, that you you feel this responsibility and this wish to carry it on. Oh, totally. I I feel. Yeah. I especially it makes me even want to do it more since coming to Woolwick here in Shetland as well that you know I see the work that they're doing to keep their traditions going you know creating the wool week itself you know and I feel we need to do the same back home yeah in order to keep these this kind of going as well so that we get more and more folk um knowing about it and and doing it and 
actually it's not as complicated as you think because I was terrified when I first decided I was going to do this or I thought my god I'm really throwing myself in the deep end here but it's actually not if you can knit and you can purl it's it's easy enough and nothing is really unachievable yeah that's and I feel like that now with mine that I will get to the end of it and it will be something I'll be proud to wear and show off and hopefully next year I will week. <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely. Well, thank you, Sean, for telling us about it. It's fantastic. That was lovely, wasn't it? It was really, really lovely. I've listened to that. I edited that interview a long time ago, and I've listened to it quite a few times. It's a really nice tale, and the fact that she, Shona also learned from the same teachers, and the fact that she, you know, found that picture uh, uh, of a gansey that her granny had made and was making her granny's pattern and the the descriptions of the, of the patterns are really lovely there and I'm going to put up some pictures that Shona sent me um, so you can see some of those designs that she's talking about but it really is a very incredible gansey the pa- pattern, the Eriske gansey it's, it's really, really lovely and more power to those ladies who are teaching that pattern and as Shona said, as somebody from South Uist she feels that she has a responsibility to be making that gansey and I spoke to Shona this week via Instagram and she said she's still making the gansey it's still a work in progress so so she's uh, still cracking on with that gansey whip and what a labour of love and an extra dimension that's adding isn't it the the work that she's putting into that incredible pattern and what about the wool I've talked about used wool on the podcast before. I bought some of their wool at Edinburgh Art Festival. I'm actually knitting with it now and making a cowl with it. Shona took part in the training programme that they did before the new mill opened and the wool centre opened. And having that place-based yarn, knowing exactly where it had come from, adds just another dimension to the fact that, you know, her work went into creating that yarn. It's it's lovely and amazing, and I hope that you can you can listen to this and now go and watch that documentary, and and have that other dimension of this this story. But thank you so much to Shona for talking to me more than a year and a half ago now, and and thanks for sharing your story and keeping it. And we can't wait to see. Hopefully, you'll show us your your gansey when it's finished. That is about it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you to everyone who bought Knit British tote bags in the Knit British Big Cartel shop since the last episode. There are a few more bags to go up. I'm not sure if I'll get them up before this podcast goes out, but I'll put a wee announcement in the Knit British Ravelry group before I do. There are probably about 10 left I think so that then that really is it until uh, the next lot get printed but thank you very much and it was really lovely to see some of you at Wonderwool Wales with your busting full knit British tote bags the lovely Mazzy and Malin and uh, Nellie Bean uh, with their bags that was lovely and it's lovely to see them uh, you showing them off on Instagram uh, when they land with you. Uh, thank you very much. That makes me really happy uh, to see you with your bags. And um, there will be more Knit British goodies 
Um, I'm sure. What else did I have to tell you before the end of the program? Oh, I am taking a couple of weeks uh, break uh, in May. So I'll be back on the 19th of May. I am going somewhere very exciting for the Knit British podcast next month. In fact, in a couple of weeks. And I'm not telling you where I'm going. I might, I hope I don't let it slip before before then, but <laughs> um, I have to travel um, to get there. And I'm excited to tell you a little bit about that. Also, forward planning, date for your diary. I am going to be at the Leeds Wool Festival on the 3rd of June. Uh, if you are going to be there, then let me know. It'd be really lovely to see you. I will leave you with the mystery of my Knit British travels uh, until until next time. You might you can check out social media around the 10th and 11th of, of May if I have signal and I might tweet or Instagram some pictures of where I am and what I'm getting up to. All for you, lovely listeners. All for you. <laughs> so until May, when you will get to meet another of our woolly muckers, Emma Goodlid, and I will also have a Brit Yarn sponsoring an episode. So I have a Brit Yarn project, or a project made with yarn from Brit Yarn that I can tell you about um, and share with you then. Until then, thank you for all your connections on social media, on Ravelry, Thank you for the reviews and the time you take to like the podcast and share it widely. Take very good care. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Knit British podcast. To find out more, visit www.knitbritish.net. You can email me louise at knitbritish.net. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at knit underscore British. And I'm on Ravelry as Lyra. You're a big singing star now, remember? This California dude is just a little heavier than usual tonight. Really? From where I stand, the sun is shining all over the place. Go ahead, punk. We make my day.